Studios to the world, we bring you the finest in quality entertainment. So pop some popcorn, grab a smooch buddy, and settle in for another fine show from ComedySlamRadio.com. You are live with Let's Be Frank on Comedy Slam Radio for another great show. This week we have, um, wow, holy cow, how do I draw a blank? We have Steve Eric in the studio and Tom Ryan calling in. And I know we have a great show planned. Um, I know Tom just recently relocated down here to Florida. You're originally always from Florida, right? I grew up in southern Wisconsin, but I've been down in Florida for 25 years, so... Awesome. We're going to go ahead and bring Tom on in and get the show kicked off. How you doing, Tom? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great, David? Yeah. Good. How's it going? Steve, Eric? (laughs) Tom, Ryan, how are you, my friend? How are you? (laughs) I'm doing really well. David, I saw saw David Frank had a post saying that you were going to be on his show, and I'm like, oh, you've got to let me come into the studio. Uh, Please, please, please. Tom Ryan is one of the greatest people in the world. Uh, I don't know. I used and to be. He I won't, he won't return my phone call, so I need to come into the radio station so I can talk to him. That's right. I, uh, I'm i living here in Florida now. Uh, I don't know if it's temporary or not, but I got, uh, I'm got. i here for a couple months staying at my friend Phil Tagg's place. Where's yeah, Tagle Ferry living now? Phil, Phil's out working like crazy, so I never see Phil, but I'm kind of keeping an eye on his house while he's trying to sell it. And... Uh, I think it may have sold, so I'm, I'm not sure if I'm moving back to Pennsylvania or New York or I'm going to stay here in Florida. I might stay here in Florida. Where, where's Tag living now? Which area? Uh, Eustis, Mount Dora area. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah. I saw he was just over uh, doing Larry Silver stuff last week or the week oh, before okay. or something like that. I saw, yeah. yeah, it's always good to see his picture yeah. out and about. Yes, yeah, Steve and I go way back. We go back to the very beginning, 25 years or so, I would <laughs> yes, imagine. Yes, sir. Yeah, you guys have both told me stories where you have opened up and worked with back in the day with Larry the Cable Guy, even before oh. he was Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, well, not only opened up for and all that, I used to uh, I used to drive by to his parents' house and pick him up at his parents' house. And then we would, I had just moved down to West Palm Beach from uh, Philadelphia, and I took a job as a doorman at the comedy club down there so I could get into comedy. And this guy used to come by, Larry, or Dan Whitney, and we used to, I used to go by his parents' house, pick him up, and on Tuesday nights we would drive down to Miami to do five-minute open mics. And I told him, I go, I'm going to be huge someday. (laughs) You need some work, Dan. (laughs) And I said, I don't know what's going to happen to you, old Dan, but I wish you the best of luck out there in this cold, cold world of comedy. Well, we all know Dan has done great, changed his name, and had a great, successful career. Well, not to make this all about Dan Whitney, but uh, Tom and Dan were like best friends. And there used to be a comedy club back here 25 years ago, Ron Bennington's comedy scene. And uh, Ron was a local comic who got on the radio and he was trying to get the, uh, before he had any kind of budget, he uh, basically talked local comics into working, he couldn't guarantee anything, but, you know, you wanted to help a guy, so you went and did his show for, you know, worked his room, and Dan and Tom used to drive up and spend the weekend and work, you know, work the comedy scene all the time together, just, and uh, I I remember. (laughs) I guess that's what it takes, I mean, if... 
Yeah. If you're going to make it, you got to put 100% effort into it. I put 100% oh, effort mean, into we, this we show would, more than yeah, I do the comedy we scene. four hours to get weekend spots at Bennington's Club. Wow. And, you know, sometimes you'd make some money, sometimes maybe not. But then Ron was also doing the radio show. And the first character that Dan Whitney used to call in with was this character called Iris. 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 <laughs> and he did an old woman old lady, voice. An old lady And voice. he would talk like this, and I'm Iris. <laughs> and that was, so that's how he got on the Bennington show. And then one day in the studio, Bennington said, hey, you know, we've done enough of Iris. Do you have anything else? And at the time, <laughs> Dan was doing a quick bit about where he would walk out on stage, stick his gut out, and go, hey, has this guy ever come to your door? Hey, anyone here order cable? <laughs> and that was it. That was, the, that was the bit. It was a one line, one laugh. So under pressure, Dan goes, well, I do this character that installs cable, but I don't know. And they go, okay, well, what will your name be? And as, as they're about to go on the air... He goes, well, my middle name's Lawrence, so I'll be Larry. He go, then they all go, okay, you're going to be Larry the Cable Guy. You're wandering around the studio trying to hook up cable. <laughs> and that's literally how it started. Can't, can't ask and, for uh, a better story. Yeah. So I hope something similar happens today on this show. <laughs> there, there you go. What do you want to be called? We could call you Steve yeah. Eric. Yeah. And then I'll be I'll be the next Prilosex spokesperson. <laughs> well, I was so told... I always saw the story. What doing now, the Prilosec guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. Larry the Cable Guy, a real Prilosec. He's not even a real person. How's he a real Prilosec? That's right. His character gets heartburn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Whitney doesn't get heartburn. The character does. There you go. (laughs) But, yeah, it's uh, it's so funny. Now, I guess the key to to doing well in Florida comedy is changing your name because another guy that started out on open mics down at that same club was... Uh, Carrot Top. Scotty Thompson. Yeah. Scott Thompson, yeah. So it's funny how those two guys just, you know, took I, off. Tom, I always tell the story. I say, I say, you know, back when we started out, people used to tell us, don't ever use props, don't ever do impressions, and yeah. don't ever do corny old jokes. <laughs> and out of our group that started, uh, we've got Carrot Top, Daryl Hammond, and Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> and, and, uh, and Jim Brewer used to do some impressions. Yeah, yeah, Maybe Jim, not. He, he maybe didn't do any impressions. He didn't do it on stage. But think but, of the people. Yeah. yeah. That's... He That's did a, a great stoner point. impression, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, he did great yeah. characters once he got to Saturday Night Live, but he was he was a rapid fire dick joke comic down in the you know, down in this area. That's Who great. Was that? D- Jim Brewer, I said he was just a yeah. rapid fire dick yeah. joke comic. He wasn't, you know but then he, he did he did uh improv and stuff like that outside of the comedy yeah. club. So and that that's basically what he utilized at Saturday Night Live. Uh, uh, yeah, I remember him asking me, Hey man, how do I get gigs? I get out of here, kid, you're bugging me. <laughs> Get out of here. You'll find your way, young man. Now, you were just talking about improv, and I actually just went and saw, I mean, aside from watching Whose Line It Is Anyway, I saw my first live improv show this past Thursday, uh, Chris Gorgeous and the Hooligans. The Charming Hooligans with the Marty Charming. Hoffman and Chris Gorgeous. And, oh. Yeah. Uh, Marty Hoffman and Jim Brewer used to write together with me all the time, when, I mean, oh. 25 years ago. Yeah, I mean, it was incredible, the energy that's in a... You know, I, I didn't know what energy would be like there. I was like, really? You guys are going to be doing that? And I'm like, okay. But I went out and I had such a great time. I was, you know, raising my They're hand, take, pick my topic, and it was, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed yeah. it. You ever do any of that uh, improv well, yourself? It's 
funny because early on I used to dabble in improv and I always enjoyed it. And then one time I went up with some people that were, and this was very early on, went up with some people who were a little more experienced than I was. And once the, <clears throat> once you can't think of something to say and you find yourself imploding and starting to shrink down, and I had nothing to say, and all, and all these things are just going by, and my brain is just going, nope, nope. And it was so humbling. That afterwards, I just slunked off stage and just said, oh, man, I will. And, that, and, and I said, from now on, I'm just sticking to stand-up. Well, and, 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 and sometimes in stand-up, you have the safety net of being able to go off and do some improv, but you can fall back on structured material that you had planned for the night anyway. So once I have the safety net, I'm fine. But up there, completely without a net, my brain literally failed me that night. And it was, uh, it still, that night haunts me to this day. <laughs> and that, that was, you know, I was about a year into comedy at the time. I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be doing stand-up and I'll do improv. Improv will do a lot of things. And after that, I never did it again. Well, all the clubs, you know, 25 years ago, after the open mic or after the show play, showcase shows, they always used to bring all the comics back together because you didn't just hang, do your set and leave. You hung out, you watched the other comics, you were supportive. Right. And then afterwards, yeah. a lot of the clubs would get all of them together and do improv games and stuff like that. You know, the, oh, that's right. Yeah, you know, Bennington used, used to do, do that. that a lot. That's yeah. right. They were really good at that. Yeah. Bennington was very quick. McCurdy's did that down there in Sarasota. Did, did that? That's I mean, right. a, a lot of the yeah. local clubs did, you know, the improv troops, yeah. or not troops, yeah. but the comics right. would do improv together. It was like, okay, you, you've got this stand up down. Let's put you in an element you're not uncomfortable with and see right. if you fail. Right. And, and now, actually, come to think of it, I guess I did some of those shows where uh, I actually got back and did some improv. However, at that time, you already were on stage, so you're already, sure. you figure, all right, I already got some laughs for the night. Exactly. And they were probably yeah. just to see you again. Yeah, it was just walk in, try some improv, and it was, oh, it was bad. Well, it's funny. I was talking with Chris Gorgeous, the gentleman that was doing the improv show here with the Charming Hooligans, and um, he was telling me he was a comedian for probably, I think it was five to ten years throughout New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and he started doing the improv when he came to Florida, and he did it for quite a number of years. And when he came out, he said how much sharper and on top his comedy was. Ah, right. I think uh, it, 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 everybody has a different writing style. Um, some people write while they're on stage. I mean, and, and we've all done that where you're on stage, you think of a line that adds on to something you're already trying, it just comes out of nowhere, and you keep it. And then other people, the majority of, of what I've done over the years is Stuff occurs to me when I'm walking down the street. I've been very diligent over the years. I always have a pen in my back pocket, jot down the idea, and then try it out at a later date, that kind of thing. So there's different kinds of writing. And if you're the type that kind of tends to write on stage a lot, which people do, I think improv would be a uh, perfect uh, muscle to exercise, no doubt about it. Well, when you're on stage, don't you find that you know, every audience is a little bit different. You interact with the audience, and almost yeah. you have to do a, be able to do a little bit of improv in your show. Right, normally. absolutely. And and it's funny the adrenaline that is even to this day. I mean, I still get a little bit of uh, you know, I still get butterflies before every show. So once you walk out, you're okay. But you have that heightened adrenaline. 
and it's it's just it's a survival thing that if you're trying something new, your brain on some occasions will say say this and you'll you'll nail it because you're up there on a tightrope and if you know you kind of want to make that new bit work and you don't want to have a lull, so sometimes you'll say just the right thing and then sometimes you don't and then you abandon that bit and they they sit in your notes for years. You know, yeah, and sometimes you'll find something you wrote years ago, all of a sudden just the situation, like, wow, I, I wrote about that topic years ago. Here, let me try this. And it just and, it just works because the situation yeah. presents itself. Yeah, exactly. And then sometimes that's how you, you, you realize I should keep doing that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I've had stuff that literally I would imagine has sat in my notes for about 10 years and never tried it. And then I tried it, and I kicked myself and think, why didn't I ever even try that? You know, and, and in the earlier days, we all have to guard against this. In the early days, you didn't have a choice. You needed to get <laughs> up to where you had yeah. half-hour material, so you were much more bold. And then I think, I know I have, and I know a lot of comics do, you get a little more comfortable once you have your hour of material together, and you kind of start, stop trying the new stuff, and it's a, it's it's very dangerous. I've gone through phases where I, I'm not trying enough new stuff, and you really have to guard against it. You've got to put yourself out there. I've been doing this, actually, last Saturday night, I went out of my comfort zone, and I probably did the darkest bit that I've ever done in 25 years, and I ended up walking off saying, that's the most fun I've ever had on stage, because ah. I really tried something new last Saturday night, yeah. and it and it just connected on every level, and it's like, wow, I, I should be doing that every night. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what, uh, part of me wants to just get back into uh, doing the clubs again. I kind of drifted away from the clubs. I got tired of uh, hecklers and all that the stuff. The people, and, um, sure. That's the I, fun the stuff. corporate gigs started coming through, <laughs> so I started doing them. They were paying more and, and all that. Now that that collapsed about four years ago. That collapsed that circuit. So I'm I'm thinking about buying a car and just starting to do the clubs again and really just concentrate on new material and not even you know do, do any and all clubs and just be a little more bold and well, you, start from scratch and build a whole new hour. You know that's kind of wow. I say that on paper, but you know how that is. <laughs> Yeah. In reality, the corporate games are going to be calling you again in six months, and you'll say, okay, here's my payday. Yeah, yeah I mean, cause I, you've had plenty of successful times. I mean, you've had some Letterman shows, A&E, Comedy Central. I mean, you've had lots yeah. of great exposure throughout your 20-plus yeah. years. I've, I've had, like, the Letterman was the highlight. Did a couple Lettermans uh, about uh, eight years ago and ten years ago, which is hard to believe it's been that long. Has it been that long? Wow. And um, you told that great Morton Salt joke. Yeah, that's right, the Morton Salt bit, um, and that went over great. And uh, and yeah, and 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 some other TV. And then I haven't done any TV in a while. And and you start to think, well, that might have been that might have been it. That might have been my TV time, and that's fine if it is. I mean, but you still want to get back on, you know. So I'm. I'm, I'm always looking toward putting together a new set. I was going to go on a third time. I was standing in the wings waiting to go on. I was waiting to see to the you. Other guest. What's that? <laughs> I was watching that night, waiting to see you. Oh, and then you... <laughs> oh, yeah. And he talked to Maureen Dow, the New York Times columnist. They got talking about politics, and it took up the whole show, and they said, oh, we're sorry, you're not going to get on. And I was standing in the wings waiting to be introduced. Oh, wow. And then they go, don't worry, we're going to rebook you. And then something got lost in the shuffle, and, and it just, ne the rebooking never came. 
and I had the set all ready, and I felt as though that was going to be my best set. The third one I thought was really going to be the one that would probably get me a fourth and a fifth. Sure. So it was a big disappointment, but, you know, you can only dwell on it for uh, so long, which has been uh, eight years I've dwelled on it. <laughs> no, eight years and 19 days. <laughs> yeah. days how many hours? Yeah, it was about eight years ago, actually. And, 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 and it seems like about two years ago. So, uh, and, and I think about half that stuff still works. So they have a new booker I might resubmit in a couple months, really put together a good six-minute tape and see what happens. Why not? Oh, Letterman has go. a new booker? I didn't hear about that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you should send it a tape. tape. <laughs> Oh, you didn't write. You meaning everybody heard yeah. about that? Yeah, right. Um, now, just an observation, Tommy. Um, it's not just the writing; it's it, the performing and being able to. You know, sometimes you have a bit, and you know, like the bit is too good for someone to perform. It's like you know, I, I see open micers, and it's like that's a brilliant bit, but they don't know how to sell it yet. But you keep doing it and keep doing it, and eventually you learn how to sell it. And I, yeah. I, I remember your first David Letterman spot, and. I would say a large percentage of stuff is stuff that you've had since you very first started in comedy. In the early days. That was, that was I, I got, I don't, I, I shudder to think if that one bit hadn't popped into my head. I remember moving one time. <laughs> I and really, I know I remember that the I bit. had the same carton, the same drum of Morton Salt that I moved with. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, this is the third apartment I've had. I have the same salt. And I, I remember jotting it down sure. early on. I mean, I, I don't even know. So it was a bit that was there, and it was one of these bits. Then I had another idea about a uh, baking soda, and a guy, Todd Vidim, who I started with, lives over in the east coast of Florida. He said, you should combine the Morton salt and the Arm and Hammer bits. And I, oh, you're right, you know. It just worked really Now well. a chunk starts to emerge. And it was one of those bits that, for some reason, I just kept adding to it over the years, like sometimes even just a line a year. Next thing you know, you've got a four-and-a-half to five-minute bit that's really tight, and that was the bit that got me on Letterman. Right. So, yeah, that goes way back. So, right. you know, if, if something's evergreen, you can keep using it. Yeah. There you go. And, uh, and that one there, yeah, that, that, that chunk got me on the first, you know, got on Letterman show. I mean, that's what got me through. So, and that, that's, uh, As you know, it, was, it was cool. It was such a, you know, it was the highlight of my career doing that show. Well, you did, that bit, that bit paid a lot of money to you. I mean, you did, what, a court, uh, the, uh, Arm and Hammer flew you in to do a corporate gig he, because of the that, that, that's how I, it's funny because I did that bit also on Caroline's Comedy Hour and they saw it and they tracked me down huh. and they flew me to about five different cities to do, uh, uh, they were they were um, they were launching their underarm baking soda underarm deodorant. <laughs> so, so from so, down your drain to under your armpits. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and they said, you you know, you come in and do twenty five minutes, and they paid well. And I walked out, and I had rigged up. It's the only time I was ever a prop act. The only prop gig I ever did. I took two boxes of baking soda and put it under my armpits, and I said, is this what you had in mind? You know, and that, that, that's how I opened it. And I basically just said 20 minutes talking about uh, baking soda. It went really well, and they flew me to a few other cities. And that's when the idea dawned on me, like, man, I'm going over well with these audiences. Maybe I'll start doing these corporate gigs. Yeah, why not? But there's, they pay real well, and, and I had some good years in there, but the danger is you get away from the clubs, 
and you stop, you know, working seven nights a week where you're always working on new material. So there's a there's a downside to it too. Yeah, you lose maybe a little bit of that rapid fire pace. That's right. That sharpness that you get from just constantly being on stage and yeah. dealing with the hecklers the, and all that yeah, stuff you were trying to avoid. Yeah, uh, that your chops got a little thin. Yeah, but you you've got experience that most club acts could never dream of having. You know, I've been on stage in front of several thousand people before, and it's a total right. it's a total different you know yeah. element than being on stage at a comedy club. You, on the other hand, have done so many tours where you're on stage in these big theaters and performing to several thousand people. I yeah. mean, that's an I, art form it, to itself. I mean, to learn how to do that kind of presentation is it's a total different ball game. Yeah, it's a different beast, and it's I find them I'm more relaxed on theater gigs than I am in comedy club gigs. Yeah. Now, didn't you just tell me you just got off of like a five week tour? Oh, well, I know I did a I did a. Um, something i hadn't done in about 10 years i did a crew i did a month of cruise ship gigs and then i came back for a couple days and i i just went up to um minneapolis uh madison akron and milwaukee and and opened four shows for brian regan and he does the the big theaters you know he's doing the 2500 seat theaters and it's great great. i mean you go out to a sold-out theater 2500 people Regan draws the best crowd. You remember that crowd? You were Fort Myers. Oh. You came to Steve a yeah, couple I came, years I, ago. Yeah, I came down there and uh, it was amazing. You treated me real well. I, I uh, still was, talk about yeah, that. Yeah, he's the best. I mean, uh, Regan, who also used to, he started in Florida a few years before we did. Yeah, and he's a he's a big theater act now, and and I mean, one of the biggest. Yeah, and and so many people still don't know who he is. Damn him for having such a funny brother. You could do nothing but open for him. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, Dennis. Dennis just did. Uh, uh, yeah, Dennis did his Brian, last tour with him. Yeah, Brian has made twenty-four Letterman appearances. Wow. And Dennis just made his sixth Letterman appearance. Yeah, so they're a, both. It's a funny family. They're both great acts. There you brothers, go. Yeah. Both came up through the Florida comedy circuit. I just I was just having a conversation with a Boston comic about this last week, Tom, and I, and I was pointing out that you know. All artistic integrity or whatever aside, if you just want to look at commercially viable, commercially successful comics that have made huge amounts and huge paydays, nobody has turned out more of those comics than the state of Florida and the Florida uh, comics. Uh, it's funny. Totally agree. You know, we've, <laughs> you, we've got you, you, Tom yeah. Rhodes, Billy Gardell, Carrot uh-huh. Top, the Regan Brothers. We've got... Uh, Oh, Tom Ryan, Tom. Steve Eric. <laughs> no, that's right. Soon and, to be Fat and, Davey. Maybe Extra and, Skin Eric if I ever lose weight. Uh, what's that? I said Fat Davey, soon to be Extra Skin Eric if oh. I ever lose weight. Uh-huh, that's right. You know, but Carrot Top, Larry the Cable Guy. I mean, there's just so many. Jim Rose, Brewer, Daryl Hammond. Yeah, Gardell, Brewer. Mitch Hedberg. Mitch Hedberg. And, yeah, and Hedberg. Hedberg was, was the same Pete um, act. He was... Pretty Paul Parsons. <laughs> Mitch Hedberg was possibly in Boca Raton. He was a short order cook, and I think they were doing weekend comedies down there. And he said, "Oh man, I'll go on and try five minutes." Yeah, he was possibly <laughs> man's roommate, <laughs> and I know he did that. And I, I remember he's another one. Oh, and Todd Berry, of course, who I just talked to uh, a couple days ago. Todd Berry started in Florida, but Hedberg came up to the comedy corner in West Palm. I saw him his second time on stage, and he didn't have that persona yet. Right. And it, it took a few years to evolve that uh-huh. persona. And uh, that's amazing, the state of Florida. Uh, Jeff Garland, too. Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, who, 
I mean, it's incredible. That's a uh, you can almost put that list up against any state. Well, I, I seriously, like I said, you know, I go to bat for my state. I, I really think that our that our circuit, you know, working the hell gigs and working all all the things yeah. that it takes to be a Florida comic, have, have just built so many strong, strong acts. Yeah, maybe. And the, the other cool thing is you, you're you're dealing with audiences from all around the country, so you automatically develop an act that will work. Sure, anywhere exactly. in the country, and I think most act, if you have a good act, it's going to work anywhere in the country. But you know, I think that adds something extra is that in Florida, you're you're uh, exposed to a lot of different types of crowds. Exactly, exactly, and, you, and it's not just all over the country. But you you know, you've got the European audiences. I mean, it, yeah. You know, anytime that, like you said, you have to go out of your. You're not just playing the local club to the local, you know, crowd. You're you're having to expand to yeah. make it. Uh, the uh, I did a uh, one of the ships I did. It was down in South America, Chile, and around down around to Argentina, out to the Falkland Islands, and then back up. And then I got on another ship that did the same itinerary. Oh, so you're the getting on the ship A ships. Was heavily uk a really uh high percentage of people from england and it's funny there's a phrase that says comedy doesn't travel well and it's true certain <laughs> bits <laughs> certain bits you just go oh that's right they don't they might not have you have to uh, kind of say well we have this thing called morton salt here you know you have to explain <laughs> your bits just so they'll be on board with the references and it, it can throw off your rhythm and timing and everything and then uh yeah, it's odd. I would love to have, I would love to be able to have an hour of material that completely works internationally, where you could go to uh, England, Australia, and all the, the. You know, you know where comedy's starting to get big is in the Scandinavian countries. Mm-hmm. They, they're starting to really embrace stand up. Pablo go. Francisco's huge in Finland right now. <laughs> that's kind of what Tommy Rhodes has been doing. You know, I mean, yeah, he's... that's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a smart thing to do because there's a lot of great markets out there for uh, for comedy, and you can end up traveling the world just doing stand-up. Well, the girl who I just had call in last week, did uh, she's been going to the U.K. and doing tours, uh, Laura Levitis. Oh, I don't know her. All right. oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, that's, but that's... Yeah, you yeah go there's out a whole and circuit you... over there I would like to get into. Yeah. So you know a lot of the other comedians. You know Pretty Paul Parsons and some of the other yes, guys from down and, here. And uh, Paul, and uh, haven't seen Paul in a while. And uh, I think Robert, gonna... Robert Bash, who I hadn't uh, seen in a while. I just talked to him on the phone. He, he's a good guy. Oh uh, yeah, I think and, we're. Uh, I think and we're all the get... other comics. Um, um, Tom from uh, Sarasota. There you Thomas, go. God, why am I blanking on Tom's last name? Which, which Tom from Sarasota? Tom. Tom from Sarasota does this. He, he sometimes brings his guitar. Tom Rosnick. Oh, Tom Rosnick. Okay, sure, go. sure, sure. I, I haven't seen Tom Rosnick in years. That's. And I tell you, he might not be doing stand up anymore. And uh, and the McCurdys and uh, and Lou Angel Wolf and everybody. I mean, it's uh, Florida's been a. Yeah, it's it's fun to be back. There it's you go. Fun to have you back. I can't wait to see you. So some of the, I mean, I'm looking and I'm on, you know, some of the different things you've done. I mean, you've opened up for some huge performers, not only um, comedians, but just musical uh-huh. artists from Natalie, I'm sorry, Natalie Cole, Earth, Wind, yeah. and Fire, Jerry Seinfeld, yep. Dennis Miller. What, what's what's it like doing that? Well, it's it's. I got real lucky. The comedy club that I started at was owned by Phantasma Productions, and they were a uh, concert promoter, and they booked all the big shows, uh, 
pretty much all concerts in Florida. And then he also had, you know, branched out into the southeast and did some stuff in Vegas. So on so many of these concerts, they would say, hey, by the time I had like 20 minutes of material, they just started putting me up in front of these people. And it was a great experience. I mean, the first one I did was for, um, that was the first one. It was, I think, Hot Tuna, the band, Hot Tuna, at, at the Carefree Theater, and it was sold out 800 people. And, I, I mean, it was one of the most nerve-wracking, and they, they were a great crowd. And I, I suddenly thought, wow, I could do this, you know. And then, um, then uh, you know, they just started using me more on these gigs. Used to work uh, Ruth Eckerd Hall a lot. And um, I was just going to say, and that's one of the things that you had going for you is you were such a, you know, you're you're a clean comic, and yeah, I mean, you you could do all age shows. You, I mean, right. anybody can watch Tom Ryan and not be offended. You just laugh. I, I, I had a, a good, I had 45 clean, and that's how I started doing the corporate gigs, and even did one with um, Regis Philbin, who worked at Clearwater. Nice. He, uh, he was great. I, I, I went on and did my half hour. I had never met him, and he comes bouncing around the corner as I came off stage, and he goes, are you Ryan, Tom Ryan? <laughs> yeah, we're great. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's Regis, and he's being exactly like you would expect Regis to be. <laughs> and he, he had his orchestra guy there. Did you hear, Ryan? That joke about such and such was great. And then the next day, he actually called them and said, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to Ryan. Make sure you say goodbye to Ryan for me. I enjoyed working with him, you know. <laughs> great guy. But you were the go-to it, guy for all those theaters. I, you know, I remember you doing Dennis Miller. and You did all yeah, kinds of and, Ruth Eckerd Hall stuff because yeah. there was no other comic they could call him for. They'd come in and be, do a totally clean set opening. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, for a while there, I was one of the few clean acts in the state <laughs> that really paid off for a while. <laughs> Hey, whatever you know? it takes. And, you, uh, as and, Steve uh, and many other people have always told me, if you, you you can if you can write clean, you can always write dirty. But when you start yeah. dirty, it's hard to go backwards. Buddy Buddy Hackett uh, in an interview once said, "He goes work clean for five years and then let it rip." <laughs> that was his his theory that you learn how to work clean and then you can go any direction you want because it's harder to put the building blocks. You know, you learn more about sure. how to get a joke to work and all that. It's really good advice. I wish I would have had Buddy Hackett's advice when I started. But <laughs> Yeah, he, he came down to one of our open mics one time. That um, was cool. Uh, he sat in the front row, and he was, he was very cool to everybody. Old Hackett. And then, yeah, I got to work with Alan King, who was a, a good guy, uh, Ruth Eckert Hall, too, and uh, it's been fun. I mean, yeah, well, what's it like doing those shows? It's, it's surreal the first couple times you do it. Because you can't even see those people, and sometimes, uh, you know, there was one theater down in Lauderdale, the Sunrise Musical Theater. It was a four thousand seater, and I remember wow. opening for Tim Allen there and Dennis Miller there, and they sold out. And these people don't even know that there's necessarily going to be an opening act, and right. yet they were so good. Those crowd, uh, something about a theater, it just kicks people's focus up a notch, and they're happy to see. Oh, we get a bonus comedian here. And if you get them early, it's it's a cakewalk once you're in. Nice. And yet one time, well, I had you know a few have have been tough. Um, the worst one in front of a large crowd, the biggest crowd I ever did was um, it was the I forget what it was in Tampa, the Sun Dome or something like that. Yeah, the Sun Dome over in yeah uh, Michael USF. Bolton oh. <laughs> and uh, John Panette. 
Remember, you know, not remember John Panette, but sure, John yeah. Panette was uh, opening for him a lot. And Panette got another gig and he couldn't make it. And uh, they put a call into the same people, Phantasma. And they said, drive over there. You're going to open for Michael Bolton. Within four minutes, the entire stadium, you know, it was 9,000-seater. They're chanting, Michael Bolton. <laughs> just entire sections. And I just put my head down and just took the booze and, um, and just... So did like contractual time and just you're too nice of a guy I would have called him out for well, who the hell are you you guys like Michael Bolton yeah right I, I think uh, yeah that was what I thought of later on but I thought if I if I do the instinct was there but I I, I bit my tongue on that and another time opening for Bobcat at the University of Miami early on it was an outdoor crowd during Greek week, and they, they oh. just started booing. And it was another one where I just rushed to the finish line and got off, went home, curled up in a fetal position for about three days, <laughs> and then realized I didn't die. I didn't physically die. If that's the worst that can happen, so be it. That would, those two were probably two of the worst ever. Hey, Tom, yeah. I got a surprise for you, but you got to tell yeah. me if you could remember this blast voice from the past. You ready? All right. Hey, Tom, how are you doing, sir? Hey, this, uh, that sounds like Paul. That is pretty yeah. Paul Parsons. Hey. How do you like that? How's it going, man? You, uh, doing well, doing quite well. Good. I think hey, I... Tom. How you I doing? Man? Into, didn't we run into each other briefly up in New York about eight years ago or something? I think we did. Uh, Maybe at the comic strip or something. Something like that. Uh, wow. It seemed to me like it was in Manhattan somewhere. Yeah. yeah. How have you been? Uh, I, like I said, I'm doing well. I'm 71 years old now. Wow. And he's still on stage still doing, doing comedy. Huh? And he's still on stage doing comedy every That's week. That's impressive. Always, man, you always blew the roof off the place. Great stuff. And uh, you don't seem 71. But none of well, us, I mean, I'm a, I turned 50. I'm, I st I'm still 30, whatever. It's ridiculous. Age yeah. is ridiculous. Right. But uh, yeah. that's great. You're still slugging it out. Uh, it's very cool. Yeah, I've heard good things. You put a CD out or something? Uh, yeah, it, it's been a while. That's and crazy. it was the typical filthy stuff that I always did. But I've, I've cleaned it up slightly. Uh-huh. Listen, Not Paul. Much, but, and that's the, that's the key. Like, people say to me, oh, it's good that you work clean and other people, you know, the key yeah. of comedy is finding your voice, your your, your right. own voice, and that's what... Uh, exactly. I mean, when you look at my two favorite comics right now are, are Brian Regan and Doug Stanhope. They're yeah. polar opposites. They're both great, and they both completely found their voice. Yeah. Hey. I've, I've uh, opened for Doug a few times. Uh-huh. He's great. Yeah. Great. One of the best. One of the best. Uh, hang on just one minute. Sure. What do you got, some noise hey, in the background, Andrew? Paul? 45. 45? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's making a donation. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Give me 45 bucks. <laughs> you had a card game or something, Paul? Oh, what are you doing? We're still on the air? Or? Yeah, we're on uh, the air and Paul's uh, making deals. <laughs> no, I, I, I misunderstood how much she was charging. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> you thought you were going to get more services for your 45? Yeah. <laughs> I tell you. Paul, I need you to do me a favor. I don't okay. want, if if, Paul, if Pretty Paul Parsons is going to be on my show, I can't have the clean Pretty Paul Parsons on my show. I need, I need to hear, Tom, you want to hear like a new disgusting recipe or something from Paul? Sure, whatever he has. No, yeah. he doesn't want whatever to hear Paul, that. Whatever Paul's 
new thing is. Yeah, Paul. I mean, every time you're on, I ask you to tell the recipe to the world. So tell a different recipe. Tell something. Be Paul, um, damn it. No, I, out of uh, courtesy to Tom, I don't want to get too filthy. He's a no, nice young gentleman. <laughs> okay, um... All uh, right, Paul. Maybe I'll let you off the hook this time. You know what? No. Saddest no, realizations. One of my saddest realizations, Paul, is the other day I, was, I went and saw Paul and do a show the other night, and I stopped to think. I said, "You know what? I've known Paul for over twenty years, and the first time I saw him, I thought he was older than fuck, and <laughs> he was my age at the time." <laughs> and now you're that Steve. That Steve. That's Steve Eric. Yeah. Yeah, yes, exactly. Well, oh, did you call um, Paul? You're, are you in the? You're not in the studio. You're calling in. Yeah, yeah. Calling I'm in. calling in. Yeah. yeah, we called him in just so he could give you a special That's hello great. and let you know that we do our research for our. Co- you know, when you're you calling guys, in. Yeah, you guys are good. I, I don't. I'm not just going to get let any schlep be in here in the studio. Which I hear you. Yeah, the next time I'm going to apply to try to be. You know, do the studio thing. Yeah, yeah. You don't really need to apply, but if you want to send out an application on the resume, you can. Yeah, you can right. say you want to come on in. Here's a little uh, uh, street joke for you: the dumbest joke in the world. A duck walked into a drugstore and asked for a condom. The druggist said, "Want me to put that on your bill?" And he said, "What kind of damn duck do you think I am, anyway?" <laughs> That's about the cleanest joke you got. That's good. You can't and then. And then here's the recipe for gerbil surprise. Um, first, okay. Just do it, Paul. First, Clear um, it out. Uh, jack off a spider monkey till he almost comes. Then wait ten minutes and finish because that'll produce a much larger load. And uh, combine that with two um, two gerbils just shipped from a faggot's ass, uh, along with. Um, one third of a cup of pus just sucked from a bar between the pussy and asshole for 300 pounds of lettuce leper and one teaspoon of sugar. <laughs> and the sugar makes it all go down. I couldn't hear. I couldn't hear. You probably, <laughs> probably, probably, probably didn't miss much, man. Bad connection. Yeah, there was gerbils and asses. There was horrible and interference on that call. Yeah. Well, we'll forget about it. Yeah, we don't want we don't want to mortify the audience with that recipe twice. <laughs> yeah, you'll hear it on the replay. Just the, 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 um, uh, the letter that uh, that I wrote pretending to be an old lady. I don't know if I did that one for you. I, I said uh, I just wrote to say God bless you, gentlemen, for the radio that you furnished at the last senior citizens uh, group we had. And I was the one lucky enough to win it, and it makes me feel so good that people care about me. And I live in the county, aged, a county home for the aged, and um, uh, my roommate is 95, and she used to have her own radio, and she never would let me listen to it, but it didn't bother me. And one day she broke her radio, and she asked me if I could listen, if she could listen to mine. And I said, fuck you, cunt, and set her on fire. God bless. <laughs> All righty, Paul, you Paul are one went, crazy Paul bastard. Paul and I had a, hit a fork in the road a while back. <laughs> yeah. We took different directions in our time. And I always loved your uh, yeah. Arm and Hammer. 
That's you still do the arm and hand? I still do it. We were talking about that earlier. Fantastic. Still uh, I, I had a thought for you on it. I don't know how you're doing it now, but uh, eventually it'll, it'll come down to you go to the supermarket and uh, you, you pay for it and you just go look at it. Well, that's good. I like it. Taking soda viewing room. <laughs> you just pay to see it. A dollar a look. Kind of like you and women, Paul. It's good. Uh, I'm picking this Lisa. down to him. <laughs> Sounds like Paul's got to pay at least 45. Table. I just called my name. Oh, that's so, cool. Uh, I'm going to have to run. Good luck. And, and Tom, uh, it's nice hearing from you and you too, love you man. and all that stuff. You too, man. And uh, I'll see you around. I'm in Florida now, so I'll, I'll probably run into you out there somewhere. Okay. Uh, Just have, look for uh, him on Hillsborough have, Police Department. That's where you'll find Paul. He got a mug uh-huh. shot up. Uh-huh. Well, uh, give, uh, give me uh Give you what? Uh, Paul, you know what? I'll, I'll reach. Yeah, I'll reach I'll out to, to you go. with Tom's number so you can get a hold of him later. Thank yeah. you for calling yeah. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, uh, we'll get it give, covered. Give him my number. We'll get it going, brother. Okay. Thank Thanks you. for stopping and right. keep breathing. That was an interesting little call, huh? That's they all. I would think they all are. <laughs> you know, I, I, I can't let everything be a hundred percent clean. I have a lot well, of different of people that want to listen. This is the internet. Yeah, so you're going to lose sponsors on that one, my friend. Hey, you know, I don't. I, all your sponsors, you're going to going to be a. No, only only uh, if we call him a slut. Yes. Yeah. That was funny, man. He's he is always an interesting character, and I figure mm-hmm. if you know somebody, you appreciate at least hearing whatever's going on in that crazy man's mind right, right. now. Oh, I meant what was funny was also Limbaugh losing all his uh, sponsors, too. That's what I was referring to. But, yeah, I hear you. I wasn't even thinking Paul's about call that. Was that very, was uh, very, always interesting. That went right over my head. That was great. Oh, no. I, 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 and, and honestly, I couldn't, at times, I could not hear what he was saying, so I couldn't. Uh, I think it was. Connection. I think he was working on his Metro cell, you know, the Metro PCS cell phone in some weird. I don't yeah. know, happy ending shop or something. I don't know. Uh-huh. Right. They black out the Probably. windows or something. There's no <laughs> cellular service where he is. Yeah. So, do you have? I know you said you're going to start working the clubs and stuff. Do you, have you started to line anything up down here in Florida for no, yourself? No, I have to. I first, I have to get a car. I moved from New York, so I didn't have a car up there, and I haven't gotten a car yet. I really just got down here, mm-hmm. so and I have to get a car before I commit to anything. Um, I hate that. And uh, but I'm going to start line, lining stuff up. That's great. And I have to reconnect. I got a call. In fact, I got a call. Uh, Les McCurdy. I haven't talked to him in so long, and and we traded messages on Facebook a while back. And I told him I would call him. And you know how you, I, I'm I'm a completely always distracted, and you know little to do lists they just fall by the wayside, and you forget to get caught up on things. His club's doing so well. I, I was just there oh. last night. I, um, oh, great. I, I wasn't working. Um, my buddy Dale Jones was... Uh, oh, yeah, I know Smith. Dale. Yeah. So Dale and I went down uh, to cool. see him. So. Yeah, I'm thinking of maybe moving over to the West Coast of Florida. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty wide open. I'm not sure where I'm going to live in Florida, but I decided I think I'll stay in Florida for a year or two or however long, maybe for many years. 
It is not nice not sure. to have to shovel anything. Yeah, it's nice. It's good to be. Although that you know, there was no winter this year in New York. No, no, that it was, was, a, it was yeah. a mild year. Right, very mild. So, yeah, I because I, uh, and side splitters still there, and uh, there's all kinds of clubs that are still around. So. Yeah, I would, be, I would like to just get in my car and just start doing clubs again. Well, you, you've got the muscle. You could probably uh, have them hook you up with openers that'll take and drive you around, Tom. Well, that, yeah. yeah, I mean, I could always do that, and I can always just rent a car and a jam too. Yeah. Martin Rental Short's coming to town. Cheap. You got yeah. Martin Short, John Stewart coming to town over at Ruth Eckerd Hall. Maybe you'll be uh, playing for for them soon. Oh, is he doing the? Yeah, God, Stewart. Yeah, he's, he's coming doing all in. right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can say he that. He played the comedy corner down there. He came through on a week one time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I remember. That him club used to get time. everybody. Yeah. yeah, Steve Johnson opened for Stewart that time. They worked together for a whole week. <laughs> Have you seen Steve since you've been down? Yeah, I ran into him a couple weeks ago. We hung out, um, played some pool. He's nice. been like acoustic open mics and stuff like that now, isn't he? Playing guitar. Yeah, he's doing some singing and writing songs. Yeah. He's got some really good songs. Oh, neat. And, uh, yeah, it was good. And, in fact, I talked to him uh, earlier today. I'm probably going to, he's not too far from here, go by, see him, say hello. And he's trying to, he's he's drumming up some gigs around and whatnot. And Lou moved, Lou Angel moved, so... Yeah, Lou Angel was just here yeah. like two or three weeks ago. Yeah, he, a month he stayed ago. at my house. He stayed at my house. He was here oh, for cool. the weekend. Um, he's living out in Texas right now. With uh, yeah, I don't know if I get that far into his personal well, life, but <laughs> he's he's uh, he's living with yeah. Wendy Fox. The two of them are dating, and he moved out to stay with her. It's funny how comics were we become untethered sometimes, and we just kind of bounce around. I know uh, Steve Anderson, who started with us. Steve uh, worked full-time in comedy for many years, and then he got tired of it and and, and uh, moved around a few times. Then he got this teaching gig over in Korea. Was it Korea? About a year and a half in Korea teaching English. Now he's in China doing the same thing. That's what thing. I was going to say. I thought he was in China because that's what Rory Penland is in China and as well. He's at wow. Rory School, who's another comic who went over there and started a, a, an English school. And it's funny because I email with Steve Anderson back and forth, and you know what he talks about? I want to get back into comedy. I want to come back and get into comedy. So you can never shake comedy out of your system. That's true. That's true. No matter yeah, they, what you end up doing, you just miss it. Yeah, they. Ha- you know, and, you can take a break for a little while, but it does draw you back. Yeah. yeah well, what happens is, I think it's just you, you keep generating. You just go, ah, oh, man, here's something I hadn't thought of before, and I would love to, you know, it's the thrill of trying stuff out to see if you can get it to work. It becomes like these little puzzle pieces. It's like and, a little uh, addiction. And, and you just don't ever want to stop trying to get these ideas to work, you know? It's, uh, and, and we all go through our phases with it. I, a couple of years ago, I, I, was, I was very close to just saying, I'm done. I can't do this anymore, you know? Everybody goes through those phases. I think. So what and, stopped uh, you from doing I know I did, and now I'm kind of back into it again, you know, re-motivated and all that. And what? I think a lot of times what happens is it's when you start generating new ideas, that's when you get re-excited about it. Because I, I had a, a couple of years ago, I just, it was a burnout phase or whatever. I don't know what happened, but, uh, yeah, it's a grind. I and, bet. And, uh, 
Yeah, had had a week in St. Louis that was just I don't know what happened in St. Louis, but the crowds I mean hated me. <laughs> and it was just one of those weeks and I said, I, I don't know if I can do this anymore. No, they didn't hate you, they hated your show, Tom. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. Don't I take it so personally. Everybody likes Tom. They just you know. but it and 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 I'm a huge Phillies fan, so when the and I knew the Cardinals because now I hate all St. Louis teams for the rest of my life. Well, and as soon as as soon as the Phillies went against the Cards, I go, well, since I'm really pulling for the Cards to go down, and that audience was so vicious, I go, Cards are going to win the World Series, and sure enough, just to make life more miserable. Well, yeah, I, I, I live now to, to see St. Louis teams go down in flames, and yet they beat the Phillies last year, so I can never get my full revenge well, on be, that city for what they did to me. Being a Tampa Bay resident, Tom, you're always yeah. my one thing that I would say, you know, if it wasn't for Tom Ryan, I would hate every Philadelphia fan. Oh, I hear you. That's right. I'm, I'm, I, that's good. I'm the last firewall of complete... Yeah, you're a you're a Rays fan, right? Yeah, I'm a Rays uh, fan as well as well as a Buccaneers fan, and they went through the whole right. rivalry Bucks, with well, the you guys. Yeah, you crushed us in the Super Bowl or in the uh, NF- NFC. Well, now yeah. you know Jimmy Schubert. Of course, I know Jimmy. Yeah, Schubert's great, and we were. Uh, I was living out in L.A., and there was another comic, Tommy James. I forget who he was a fan of. Schubert and I, and this guy had a party out there, uh, Tampa Bay against the Eagles when Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And we went by Jimmy. I'm, I'm a I'm a grown man. He's a grown man. We both have our Eagles shirts on. That was the most heartbreaking sports loss of all time. And afterwards, two grown men in their Eagles shirts walking with their head bowed down back to their cars in L.A. It was pretty sad. <laughs> Just to realize how do, how has how is my week gonna suck because my team didn't win? And it was one of the most uh, dismal days. Oh, still not over it. <laughs> it sounds like still that. not over it. I feel bad that you had to go through that, Tom. But I'm really glad every other Philly fan in the world. Had I to hear go you. That. <laughs> I hear you. And actually, I used to be a bit of a Bucks fan, so it wasn't. It was. It was painful. But yeah, I know Philadelphia has a bad rep for for good reason. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I went to an Eagles game once. I literally saw seven fights after the game, and during. Wow. No. I mean, seven fights I counted one day. It's like, all right. I'm a nice New York no fan, so, oh, you know, uh, born and raised in New York. So any New York team I'm happy with, but I'll tell you, there is, there's nothing like going to the Trop and seeing an air-conditioned game. I don't care if the Yankees are there or not. That is, like, my the best place to go to see any sporting event. That's great. I'll have to make it over this year. Yeah, I, mean, I have a I have a joke that I've been doing lately. I'll tell you my joke about the financial crisis and uh, how these banks got bailed out, but yet they're still allowed to. Citigroup took over the new Shea Stadium, and it's now called City Field. I like to call it Credit Default Swap Park. <laughs> and I, when I was living in New York, I went to a Mets game at City Field. Got there in the second inning. They charged me a thirty-nine dollar late fee. <laughs> <laughs> that bit's been doing well, so I thought, well, I'll say, I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell a joke on the air. There that you go. Been doing well, but uh, yeah, I like the Mets too, even though you know. Now you were saying, you were saying who, two, two of your favorite comics now are who? 
Brian Regan and Doug Stanhope, and they couldn't be more polar opposites, but what they have in common is that they both found their voices. And they're both very gifted. I mean, they really are. I, I find both of them just, uh, they're, they're probably my two favorites. I mean, we all have 20 favorites, you know? I mean, there's so many great comics out there, but I, I would have to say two of my favorites. And, and people always say, oh, it's, you know, like sometimes people will say to me, it's really good that you work clean, but I'm actually a fan of the darker material, you know, you, Bill Hicks. I mean, we used to work with him many years ago and all, and, and that was fun stuff. I'm envious of the guys like Steve that can work blue and and get away. I can't get away with it. You know, I'm too, uh, I don't know, it's my look or something. They just don't expect it from me. Right. And yet some of my favorite stuff was always Kinnison and Hicks and Stanhope and Steve and and whoever else, uh, you know, has the freedom to work dark, which I can never, I can't get away with it. Well, you've always been one of my favorites, Tom. I'm not just saying that. To oh, that's I mean, you're, very nice. On stage and off, you're just a marvelous, marvelous comic and a marvelous person. You're and you too, man. And we, it's good to be back in Florida, and um, we'll have to hang out. I, I, if I end up back on the West Coast, we'll hang out even more. But I'm sure I'll see you at the, uh, you know, clubs around here and whatnot. I'm definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, an- another comedian who said the same thing was Tom Dreesen. He had said to me, uh, had he had the opportunity to start off working blue, he may have mm-hmm. done that. But back in his day, the whole goal was to get on, it was Carson, I think. It's Carson, time. that's right. So there was no getting on Carson if you were blue. So no, that it, was it, the goal. You weren't. He said you weren't a comedian if you weren't on Carson back then. Yeah, that, and, and it's funny because when I started, that was kind of the trend. Seinfeld was big, and I, was, and, and I thought, all right, I'm kind of more in this category of comics, so I'll focus my energies in that direction. And that's kind of my voice. It's more my voice. You know, I'm not, I, uh, I just don't, I can't get away with dark material, and I find myself thinking about things like baking soda rather than... <laughs> You know, something Hicks would talk about or whatever. So I thought, okay, I'll go in that direction. But, but at works. the time, it, 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 it was a, it was a more, it was also a practical thing to do. Whereas now, I don't think that matters as much because, uh, you know, there, there's not. A, I mean, to do the Tonight Show or even Letterman now, it's not. It doesn't have the same impact as it used to. And you can you can get big just by YouTube and word of yeah. mouth and all that. So comics and now are, there's you know there's just so many more outlets. Yeah, comics are getting their exposure from cable and the internet rather than the late night talk shows. Yeah, oh, yeah. exactly. I so think, it's kind of cool in that <laughs> regard. But I I still am you know. I don't know if you remember the story. This was years and years and years ago. You came over to my house for Thanksgiving dinner, and um, Stevie Ray Fromstein was a comedian from Canada, and he was telling us the story about uh, how he had he had to reapply for a new work visa uh, because wow. he was a Canadian citizen. And they asked him. They said, "They said, well, what makes you, uh, you know, a specialist in your field that you know you should have a work visa?" And he said, "Well, I've been on Letterman seventeen times." And they said, yeah, so what? The guy from the zoo's been on way more than that. <laughs> ah, that's great. That's great. There, there, there was a story about, uh, I think Bill Hicks had just done a, he had moved out to L.A., and he was at the gym. And he's got this guy harassing him 
he had done like his fourth or fifth Letterman appearance, and all the guy was fixated on, well, have you done an evening at the improv? <laughs> and he just kept, have you, but you haven't done an evening at the improv? Like that was the be-all and the end-all. At that time, everybody was doing that show, and he's like, no, I haven't done an evening at the improv. Oh, well, then I guess you're not, you know. Meanwhile, he's one of the greatest comics ever, and he's just being harassed. You haven't done an evening at the improv, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, 17 Letterman's? No, not good enough. It's great. 1.7 Letterman. <laughs> Getting in the yeah, audience would right. be good. Yeah. Well, this is like this... the last couple minutes of the show, and I don't have a lot to plug, but normally I like to, who's ever on the phone or who's ever in the mm-hmm. studio, I like to let everybody plug away with any shows they might have coming up. Steve, do you have anything I... coming up? Um, nothing, nothing local. I'm just going to my website, Steve Eric, A-R-I-K dot com, and, uh, or Facebook, Steve Eric on Facebook. And uh, I was just, you know, I've got stuff. Yeah. Everything's in the works. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. I don't have any dates written, written, written right. down with me. I would have. You want, you want to look at your website? <laughs> no, that's okay. I have, I have a gig in Eustis, Florida at some, a Larry Silver gig, and I don't even know what, day, sometime in May... And then locally here, and then uh, around where else? Then I have something in September right now. I mean, I'm I'm I just had a really good run of work, and the smoke cleared, and I see nothing but empty calendar right now. <laughs> I'm at the last so, in May. I mean, I mean, I've got some stuff coming up. I just don't have the dates in front of me. Ah, so. uh, right, right. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I and then um, I have a my CD is on iTunes. Nice. I have a CD on iTunes that you know. You should send you should send us over a copy of the CD so we can start blasting out your stuff all over Comedy oh, Slam Radio. Yeah, I, you might. I think uh, Nolan was telling me you have one of the bits that's been playing on there. I think yeah. I sent you guys a, a copy a while back. All right, great. And if you don't have one, I'll resend one. I ha- I just ordered some new ones because we'll I ran out. That. The new ones are on the way. Great. Yeah. Well, that's I'm about a- all I ne- I have to plug. Yeah, we're, but, um, so if any bookers are listening, please. There you go. You know, it, and we and I do have bookers listening because I have a lot of people that are in all those different groups on Facebook, and I've had people contact me from in L.A. asking me not only do I go to out, outside of Florida to do shows, which I really am not qualified to do yet, but people uh-huh. looking to get people to come on to this show for exposure. So we've been. Oh, cool. We, yeah, it's it sounds. We got like a lot you, of great stuff going on, and you have Martin Short coming on soon, right? Uh, Martin Short is going to be a very special little thing. That's going to be it no, it's 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 okay. It's going to be a special interview. It's not going to be on the regular time. It will be uh-huh. played throughout on Comedy Slam, and it'll be promoted. Uh, it's going to be a great thing, but it's going to be coming out in the next couple of days. Nice. The fog is just clearing. Right. But yeah, but we have uh, in the next couple of weeks we have John Clark Gallagher. Gallagher. Uh, Gallagher's calling in on March twenty sixth. Right. Uh, right. A couple of other great names we have. Uh, Carl Lebove is going to be calling in. Oh towards, yeah, he's great. Yeah, so there's a lot of big things coming. I'm actually gonna yeah. I'm actually gonna get my fat ass on stage this coming Saturday down in Naples, Florida, uh-huh. at a, just a, a bar that's run by Tommy Amato. And it's called Zuki's, and uh, I'll be yeah, doing it. That name rings a bell. I don't know if I know. T- yeah. Oh, is he from Denver? Uh, he's originally from Boston, and then okay, he did yeah, a I bunch of work in him. New York. But yeah. yeah, he was he was actually on the show last week, and uh-huh. 
I, I was, you know, promised that I wouldn't let him leave unless he promised me a guest spot. That's so great. I'm going to I'm going to be down in the area so he said I can get myself a little stage time when That's it's nice to say, "Hey, I wasn't on an open mic this week. I did something where there was a audience. Absolutely. They paid to come in. I yeah, didn't get half, paid, but they paid the to be there. stage time. It is, especially really? like for me being I work and a lot of times I work at night, so for me to get out there yeah. and get all that stage time, I don't have the opportunity that a lot of other you know, comics that are starting out or people that are right here yeah. in the Tampa Bay area that are really doing well now have. I mean, yeah, the, you, know, you need I, to find a good breakfast show somewhere. <laughs> a breakfast buffet with breakfast, the bellies of yeah. laughter. Yes. There needs to be more breakfast comedy shows. For there you go. Work at night. Well, hey, Tom, we are actually getting ready to close out the show. All right. Well, I want to thank you very much for calling. Hopefully we'll be able to do you, some David. future shows as well. Absolutely. Next time I'll try to get over into the studio. So there was, was a lot of fun and uh, it's so good to reconnect with Steve, too. And if you get to the Tampa area, make sure you let me know. So, I mean, you always you, have a place to stay. You know that, my friend. Oh, that's very cool. Thanks, man. And I got you guys both in that Let's Be Frank uh, show group on Facebook so you guys can catch yep. up with each other there. I want to yeah. thank everybody for listening to ComedySlamRadio.com for another fine show of Let's Be Frank with Dave Frank on Comedy Slam Radio. We'll speak to you next week. Everybody have a good night. Thank you, Tom, for calling in. You got it. And Thanks, we'll see David. you next week. Have a great one. Okay. You too. See you. What was that? I'll tell you what that was. That was another fine show from ComedySlamRadio.com, where we put the dot-com comedy.